As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. If you're not conversion optimizing, you're flying blind. So if a lead comes through, we need to know if they convert. If they convert, we need to know for how much. And then you need to be able to tie all that back into the original source. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? If you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization, if not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. And if you want fluff, then you're in the wrong place because we only talk about the non-fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that will move your real estate investing business forward. With us today is Qasem Aslam. How are you doing, Qasem? Living the dream, Joe. Thanks for having me. I love it. Well, my pleasure. A little bit about Qasem. He is the founder and chief strategist of Solutions 8, a digital marketing certified agency. Basically, he has a full-time job focus on digital marketing. He's also a real estate investor. He has part ownership in Fair Property Buyers, and he works with real estate investors who need help in their digital marketing. So he works with wholesalers, fix and flippers. So that's the perspective that he's going to be coming from on today's episode. He's based in Scottsdale, Arizona, and you can click on the link in the show notes page to go check out his website. With that being said, Kasim, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? I started as a software engineer, which made a quick segue into digital marketing. Software engineering is more computers talking to computers, and I wanted to be somewhere where computers were talking to people. I own an agency in Scottsdale. We've been in business for 10 years. 
We're digitalmarketer.com certified, Infusionsoft certified. My AdWords team is in the top 3% of all Google partners globally. And I'm just saying all that honestly to impress you guys because I want you to feel like I know what I'm talking about because I really feel confident in this specific space and vertical. What do you spend most of your time doing right now? Lead generation, without question. And I imagine the best ever listeners are probably in the same boat to some degree. We're all trying to get the phone to ring. So a lot of our time is spent conversion optimizing, trying to figure out where little pockets of our target demographic exist and how to get their attention and get them to engage with our brands. Okay, and we'll dig in there, but just taking a step back, sure. lead generation's your focus. Are you more focused on your digital marketing job or are you more focused on real estate? I'd say right now it's probably 70-30, 70% marketing and 30% real estate. Okay. Um, I think I'm more passionate about the real estate, but right now digital marketing is paying the bills and, and my real estate investing is a great secondary source of income. And what have you invested in already? Quite a few things. We've done, gosh, I can't give a number. I, I have all this track just in front of me. I think we've done 50 some odd fix and flips in the last two years. What was your role in those fix and flips? I did all of the lead gen, some of the client intake, nurture. I have very little interaction after the deal is won until it comes time to sell a house again. And I do the post-production marketing, I guess I'll call it. Once the house is complete, especially if it's an out-of-state deal and we don't have a, a network in that state, then we'll take to the digital marketing airways and use what I know to, to sell the house after the fact. Okay. So that's lead generation's been your focus, both in your business as well as paying clients who you work with. Now let's go and dig into the lead generation. How do we approach it? What have you found that's been most effective? That's a great question and it's loaded. Um, it is loaded. I realize that. <laughs> so many ways to approach it. And I don't know that there's any one way that's the best. I will say the fastest, especially if you're just getting started. And I know, you know a lot of your best ever listeners are probably tenured professionals. And so they might have more of a network that they can draw upon. If you have a list, the money's in the list and everybody's already said that. And I hate to be so cliche, but it's true. So if you have a list, then I would recommend building out nurture mechanisms and ways to keep those people engaged. But let's assume for a moment that you're starting from scratch. Your only option in the very beginning is paid traffic. And I hate to be so definitive, but it's true. Organic traffic takes time and money. Even though people say you can generate it just with a little bit of time on the side, that ends up never being true. So paid traffic is the fastest way to go to market if you need responses immediately. And the paid traffic channel you choose is going to be heavily dependent upon the vertical you're going after. So if you want people that are going to the Google machine and saying, I need to sell my house fast now for cash, then you have to use Google AdWords or, or Bing as a secondary option. That's going to give you a pretty pricey cost per acquisition though. What I would recommend doing, again, if you're just starting out, is trying to elevate the conversation further up the sales funnel and identify target markets that are potential leads for you in the future. So for instance, if somebody is looking at a divorce attorney, looking at relocation services, those people might be phenomenal options for leads that could ultimately sell their house to a wholesaler or a real estate investor. And so when you sort of kind of figure out the vertical that you want to target, it becomes a whole lot easier to find the channel that you want to use. And that can be, you know, an online content source or a magazine or a Facebook marketing play where you target their specific interests. And then using that targeting, you put your message in front of them and the message needs to be contextually appropriate to their needs. And hopefully you can get them into your funnel. And once they're in your funnel, then email marketing more or less free. Mm, I love that. Thinking about the actions your target audience would take prior to doing the 
end action, which is sell my house fast for cash, but reaching them further upstream before they've typed that into Google or Bing, but when it's still top of mind for them, or at least subconsciously, it's there. Absolutely. If you want to play the direct response game, you can, but your cost per acquisition is going to be so much higher because it's such a competitive environment. If you can place yourself in a position to market in a silo, and the way to do that is to be a thought leader, provide really relevant content and phenomenal value that relates to their specific situation. So let's say that I have to relocate or I just lost my job. The content you're providing isn't necessarily property specific, right? You might need to go out and find a thought leader that can help with financial situations or relocation situations. But what you're doing with that content is you're pre-qualifying that user, putting them in your funnel, giving you the ability to communicate with them on an ongoing basis, giving you the ability to remarket to them using some of these tools that allow you to do that. And when you're able to do that, you're, the industry standard cost per acquisition right now for real estate is anywhere between 250 bucks and $375 per lead. You can get a cost per acquisition for a couple bucks if you're willing to go further up the funnel. Now, your leads are going to be far less qualified, but they're so much cheaper that you can afford to play that game. It takes a little bit of time to nurture them, but it places you in the position of speaking to them as a thought leader. And like I said, you're marketing in a silo. So it's no longer you versus 20 other people. It's now you giving advice on the situation and how they need to best approach it. If you were having to start out from scratch and you wanted to do a wholesaling, what would you create first and how would you structure it? In the very beginning, I would go with Google AdWords. And the reason I say that is because direct response is going to yield the fastest from an ROI and cash flow perspective. And you just need money to make everything work. How much do you two need? Grand, two grand at a minimum. A month um, or total? Two grand a month, sorry. Yeah, if you're not spending two grand a month, depending on your geography, you know, if you're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you can probably get away with spending less. But if you're in a metroplex like Phoenix, Austin, LA, San Diego, Miami, you need to spend a minimum of two grand a month from what I've seen in order to adequately prove concept and realize that your first month is not an indication of the return on investment you're going to see long term because your campaigns become more efficient as you conversion optimize. So you're paying for education, using the data that you gain, and then modifying your campaign accordingly, assuming that you have somebody that knows what they're doing behind the wheel. I'll give you a really good example. With Fair Property Buyers, we were bidding on a multitude of key phrases, but two key phrases that I thought were synonymous were sell my house fast and sell my home fast. So if somebody types in sell my house fast, our ad shows up. If somebody types in sell my home fast, our ad shows up. Interestingly, both key phrases produced about the same amount of leads, and the leads just seemed to be about equally qualified. But when we did a profit per lead at the end of the year, we found that the sales associated with sell my home fast were less likely to complete. And the reason we believe, this is anecdotal, but it's my Psychology. opinion. Yes, people who say home have a psychological attachment to their property. People who say house don't care as much. That's the type of thing that you're not going to know until you spend a little bit of money trying. But yeah. to answer your question, I would start with Google. And then once I have a solid baseline, meaning I have sort of my nut covered every month, then I would branch out to more sophisticated, higher in the funnel avenues. And usually that really equates to content marketing. All right. Let's say you've got the 2K, you've got that thing in motion. What's the next thing you would do? I'd tackle Facebook. I would pick a specific vertical, one that I know that's heavily applicable in my geography. I also, incidentally, I wouldn't go outside of my geography in the very beginning. I know a lot of guys would disagree with me. I don't know what the best ever listeners might have various proficiencies that allow them to be a little more comfortable in those environments, but you want to stay close to home with digital marketing at first because you're not going to know really specific things from a search perspective. 
There might be geographic tags that people use to search. Like in Miami, there's a thing called the basin. And I have a client there. And when people search for stuff, they say chiropractor basin. Well, I would never have known that because I don't live there. Those little teeny tiny things make massive differences when you're trying to relate to a demographic. So start local and then pick a, a very specific vertical. So you might say, hey, we just had a slight economic downturn and people are losing their jobs. I'm going to go after job loss. Or there's a lot of growth. I'm going to go after relocation. Or there's a lot of young people in, in a specific neighborhood or environment that I know I want to target. I'm going to go after marriage or upsizing or kids or whatever it ends up being. Once you have that vertical, your job now is to play the empathy game. You need to understand your demographics needs, their pain points, what they're looking for, what turns them off, what turns them on, and create content, relevant, valuable content around that specific demographic and try to find a way to connect it to your value as a thought leader. So if you're a real estate investor or a wholesaler, you probably shouldn't be talking to people about the best way to raise their kids or what schools they necessarily want to go to unless you can find a way to relate the schools to the environment of real estate, which is kind of an easy sort of connection to make. Once you've made that connection, you can now speak to them as a thought leader, but you can speak to them contextually as is appropriate to their needs. Did I explain that well? I felt like I kind of went off on a tangent. No, it's genius. I understand it, but probably because I'm in front of my computer taking notes. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're and, doing a lot of this, Joe. I've been sort of stalking you a little bit, and your content marketing is awesome. You, you kind of already have this down. Well, a daily podcast helps with that. Absolutely. <laughs> and thank you. That means a lot coming from someone with your background. What is something that you see people can do better from a digital marketing standpoint? And it's low-hanging fruit. In real estate specifically, I'll tell you my biggest pet peeve, and I'm about to generalize, and I hope you'll forgive me. My experience has been, there's a lot of guys that know what they're doing, but my experience has been that the, the real estate folks tend to be very old school. And what I mean by that is they look at internet marketing like it's this deep, dark, seedy thing that people do at night next to a bottle of lotion. Like they, they don't <laughs> believe in its efficacy. And so the unspoken communication that I see, especially when we sit down with these guys to try to do strategy sessions, they're kind of asking me without saying it, like, how do we trick people into doing this? How do I con somebody into giving me their email or how are we going to convince them? Like it, almost as though there's this big demographic of lemmings just online waiting to be captured. It's the worst approach. You can probably see some results in the very beginning, especially if you throw enough money at it. But what I think people need to do is they need to return to an empathic paradigm and realize that digital marketing is without question, the most high integrity, transparent, honest form of marketing that's ever been in existence. And they're never going to capture the hearts and minds of their prospects if they don't approach with integrity and empathy. And I don't mean to jump on a, a high horse a soapbox. I'm not even trying to make a case for principle-centered business. I'm just saying that from a digital perspective, when you engage with a brand, everything about that brand is at your fingertips. If I'm shopping for a product or a service and I'm online, I immediately have their reviews, their rip-off reports, their BBB ratings, their founders' histories and LinkedIn's, the content they're producing, their social media profiles, how long they've been in business. And that's all available to me within seconds. And with that understanding, we need to build online presences that allow people to feel confidence in working with us. Even if you haven't been around for a long time, that doesn't mean that you can't show a level of value that other people might not be able to show. And a lot of that really deals with transparency. In this industry, I'm not going to say everybody does it, but kind of uh, people will play like the sucker price game or try to lock somebody up into a contract and then run out the timeline. And I'm just of the opinion that that type of thing will destroy your brand in the long term. You might get a deal done in the short term, but long term, as soon as that gets out and people start writing reviews and commenting on things you have to say, you will be found out. 
So I think an empathetic paradigm and high-integrity business is crucial, at least for a digital marketing play. And that goes back to being a thought leader and understanding the needs around the specific situation and finding a way to connect with them and your business with them around those needs. Absolutely. Very well said. Okay. Well, you mentioned Facebook earlier. What would you do specifically on Facebook? Facebook's amazing. You know what's funny is I'm actually not a big fan of Facebook as a network. I think that Google has a really high integrity way of approaching advertising. The more relevant you are, the less you'll pay, the higher you rank. I love Google and the way they operate. Facebook, they're just sort of the new kid on the block and they're playing games that I think are dangerous for them. However, Facebook is able to collect data that Google can't collect. And so if I were to approach Facebook, especially if I was new at it, I would choose interest-based segmentation. What Facebook allows you to do is they allow you to say, hey, this guy's interested in this thing. I want to target him. So I'll give you a really good example. Let's say I'm going after golfers for whatever reason. In Scottsdale, we have the highest per capita amount of golf courses in the world. So if I want to target golfers for whatever reason, I've decided that's my vertical. Maybe I'm selling a really nice golf house or a house on the golf course. If I go and I try to target people that are interested in Tiger Woods, I'm going to get a whole mess of whoever's, you know, because everybody's interested in Tiger Woods because he's not just a golfer, he's a celebrity. But if I choose golfers, and I don't know any because I'm not a golfer, but I don't know, Jack Nicholson or, or people that non-golfers wouldn't know, and I can segment by that level of interest, all of a sudden I've placed myself in a position to be able to deliver my messaging to a demographic that I know for a fact is perfectly and uniquely qualified for exactly what it is I have to offer based off of their interests. So what's cool about it is it's not like Google where you say, hey, I need people in this geography and they have to be searching for this key phrase. Like Google is very black and white. Facebook lets you be super creative. And the more intelligent you are about what somebody's interest means about their buying patterns, the better you're going to be at generating that lead. So it gives you a ton of rope to hang yourself with. But if you can get really good at saying, you know, A equals one, and if you know what A is and you end up being right about one where somebody interested in this golfer means that they are interested in this niche of golfing, that type of connection and that ability to build those connections yields really impactful results. I'll give you a great example. People that are interested in precious metals tend to be conservative, right-wing, sometimes preppers, and that's the type of person that you'd really want to make a land play with. So if you're selling land, specifically land that has water, precious metals, air rights, that type of thing, you want to generate that type of lead. Well, if you're a land wholesaler or flipper, start making precious metals content, but find a way to relate it back to fiscal autonomy and the economy is going to collapse and whatever, whatever. And that's an easy play to make and connection to make with a real estate play. How do you determine if an interest would lead to a purchase? You make a ton of mistakes. In the very beginning, it's throwing spaghetti against the wall. And you know, 80% of... of <coughs> where are you throwing it and how are you testing it? And where, oh, that's the, where are the question. mistakes being made? So what I like to do is I like to create a piece of content first. I think Facebook is not a good direct response network. You know, with Google, people are going to go in there and say, hey, I need to sell my house fast. On Facebook, you're engaging with things that you want to engage with. You're there to look at pictures of your kids and grandkids and talk to friends and argue about politics. So realize first that this is interrupter marketing. And they're not interested in engaging with what you have to say with. So you need to develop your own version of clickbait. So let's use the real estate, the preppers, as an example. I would create an article or a white paper or a blog or a video that was relevant to my target demographic but had really solid, amazing content. And I would use that clickbait to get them to jump off of Facebook and onto my site somehow. The minute you're on my site, I don't even need to convert you. You don't have to fill anything out, download anything. 
you are already pixeled. And pixeling, for the best ever listeners, if you don't know, it means that I get to tag you. I get to kind of take a little sticky note and put it on your back and tell Google and Facebook and a myriad of other networks that, hey, when you travel around online, I want this guy to be able to see my ads. And you've seen this happen. If you're shopping for a new backpack and all of a sudden you jump off and you go to CNN, you'll see ads for backpacks magically. Well, we can do that and we can do it pretty easily. So I use relevant content that qualifies you as a user. I know if you're interested in purchasing numismatic or bullion silver, and you're in this geography, whatever this geography is, then you may be a potential lead for me. So I can get you to jump off, engage with my content. I've pixeled you. And now for the next 30, 60, 90 days, I'm going to follow you around with relevant ads that lead you farther down the sales funnel. So if you just engage with the blog on precious metals, maybe I offer up a a cost calculator on numismatic versus bullion coins, or maybe I start transitioning into the real estate play and talk about how, again, we can go cost calculator, white paper, checklist, but give you a piece of content for free on the benefits of purchasing property and how to retain your water rights, how to know if when you're purchasing property, you even have water rights. The minute you download that, you have to give me your email, and now you're in my funnel. And now I have you forever. And the rule that we follow is buy, die, or unsubscribe. If you're on my list, you will buy from me, you will die, or you will unsubscribe, but I will never stop contacting you. And as long as I'm contacting you with highly relevant information, why would you ever leave? If I have it right about who you are, and I've used my interest-based segmentation to identify the right type of person, you're always going to be interested in what I have to say as long as I don't get lazy with my content. Mm. When people come to your website or your client's website, and you pixel them, you're able to determine their interest and geography. Is that correct? I can determine their geography by my initial segmentation. So I can tell Facebook, I only want to target people in this zip code or within three miles of this city or whatever it is. So their geography is predetermined. Now you'll have to set up your segmentation, your mechanisms prior to. So let's say I'm splitting Scottsdale and Glendale, two cities in Arizona. I would have two separate pages for each so that when I do pixel them, I know these are my Scottsdale people and these are my Glendale people because the pixeling mechanism isn't going to know that. So you have to be intelligent about the way you pixel and you have to know what you're going to want to track. It's really hard to retroactively go back and apply tracking. Once that's adequately segmented though, when I pixel you, I'm pixeling you based off of the page that you landed on and that page's content in my mind intrinsically qualifies you as somebody who's interested in the content of that page. I can also, in some cases, pixel you according to your engagement with that page. If you jumped on the page and bounced, I might not want to retarget you. But if you were on the page for three and a half minutes, then you might be perfectly positioned for retargeting. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, um, gosh. In the context of digital marketing, I would say conversion optimized. I can't begin to tell you how many people I see come in to our fold. And because we're not the, the cheapest company on the block, so usually folks start with some kid in his grandma's basement, and then they end up kind of ascending themselves into our environment. And when I open up, I'd say 80% of some of these campaigns, they don't even have conversion optimization in place. And if they do, it's improperly set up. And the reason for that is because it's hard and it's a pain in the hindquarters and it's technical. But if you're not conversion optimizing, you're flying blind. So if a lead comes through, we need to know if they convert. If they convert, we need to know for how much. And then you need to be able to tie all that back into the original source. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Home Warranty of America is a nationwide leader in the home warranty industry offering coverage in all 50 states. Most companies offer 12 months of coverage. Not Home Warranty of America, though. They offer 13 months of coverage. Go get that extra month. Find out more at hwahomewarranty.com. That's hwahomewarranty.com. Best ever book you've read? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? 
I bought a multifamily in St. Louis that on paper had a 30% cap rate and I haven't made a dime from it yet. I've had it for a year. And what specifically did you learn from it besides the cap rate? <laughs> but besides, <laughs> besides something went terribly wrong on the under. Yeah, it, it's not always just the data. You know, because I'm a nerd, a super nerd, I rely too heavily on data. And sometimes there's outside evidence that needs to be looked at too. Specifically what in this case? The environment, the tenants, the direction that that specific neighborhood was heading. I bought it blind. I didn't really do the homework that I should have done. I looked at city data, municipal data, comps, other available properties, what things were renting for right across the street. I did all of that and said, oh, okay, this is a no-brainer. And when I bought it, I realized that the property I had was unique for ways that couldn't be quantified. There were sort of touchy-feely things that I ignored as a data expert and that somebody, a real estate guy, going from his gut would look at one time and say, yeah, I'm not doing that. Best ever deal you've done? Oh, um, you know, I don't, I don't really do a whole lot of the deals. I generate a lot of leads. I can tell you that the best that I've done for deals is we have a cost per acquisition on lead generation that hovers between 60 and 90 bucks, and most people are paying 250 to 375 What's the number one thing you'd attribute that to? Conversion optimization over time. We're patient. We're not tinkerbells. We're not going to mess with things just because we wake up one morning and we have a, a bad feeling in our guts. You know, but, everything's based off the data. And what's the website that you're referring to that has that so the best ever listeners can check it out? fairpropertybuyers.com, fairpropertybuyers.com. And if they Google us and they see our ads, please don't click on them. You're going to cost me money. <laughs> <laughs> Best ever way you like to give back? I like Kiva. Kiva is a micro loan organization. You can give 25 bucks to an entrepreneur in an emerging nation and they pay you the money back, sans interest or anything. But when you get it back, you get to lend it out again. So my wife and I have made over 600 Kiva loans and it's amazing the impact that it has on some of these people and countries. What's the biggest mistake you've made in business? Oh, probably the St. Louis deal right now. I'm, I am going to turn that around, but it has been rough. I also think I go too far too fast in, in terms of trying to expand. We've added geographies that we weren't prepared for. We've spent money that we knew we couldn't handle the leads that came in, and we spent it anyway because we got foolhardy. So I think in a lot of ways as an entrepreneur, I need to learn how to slow down. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Just go to my website, sol8.com. That's sol, the number eight.com. My email and contact information is there. So much good information. Thank you for being on the show. The main takeaway, well, two. One is you've got to optimize for your conversions. You touched on that in your best ever advice. But the one that you really spent a lot of time on and we were talking about is you've got to swim up the funnel and anticipate how someone got to where they need to sell a house? What are the circumstances around their life? What's going on? And then provide content and a system, but at bare bones, just provide content that ties to that situation and ultimately connecting that to your business. And you used many examples. One is divorce attorneys, if someone's looking for a divorce attorney or new jobs or relocation services, all those things in that example can be applied to wholesaling or fixing and flipping. And in my business, the same thing. I mean, I don't do single family homes. I buy apartment communities with accredited investors and we share in the profits. So I could, instead of look for find my next apartment deal now, it could be the golfing example or Jack Nicholas on Facebook. And it could be more specific things like that. And you've really got my mind churning on that approach. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks for having me, Joe. Had a blast. Home Warranty of America is a nationwide leader in the home warranty industry offering coverage in all 50 states. Most companies offer 12 months of coverage. Not Home Warranty of America, though. They offer 13 months of coverage. Go get that extra month. Find out more at hwahomewarranty.com. That's hwahomewarranty.com.